It is 2024 and there is more. When I say I feel like we will need more space because there is a lot of grace. And so I cannot believe I'm about to tell you all this, but I truly feel like a well. And there is just so much to tell in terms of God's goodness. But before we get started, make sure to subscribe because confidence, aka faith, is a whole vibe. <laughs> so stick around a little while and you will see exactly why. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidence Restored podcast presented by CC America, also known as Confidence Centers of America and hosted by Tamaria Jordan. This is a show designed to help you build your confidence, increase your faith and get mentally fit to overcome any trials and tribulations you may encounter. Through personal testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation, Tamaria and guests seek to inspire and uplift you. This message is delivered by us, CCing you on lessons learned in hopes of encouraging you regardless of where you are in life. Enjoy the show. So how did we get here? So earlier today, I actually posted a picture. And since the time I woke up, I've been feeling like it's Testimony Tuesday that 2024, God wants to show us more. And the reason I feel that way is because in 2023, on the 2nd, I recorded a podcast episode titled 2023, Live Life Unapologetically. And for me, that was significant because most of my life I've lived under, I would say, the opinions of others and or trying to fit in a mold. And so earlier this morning, I'm going to give the background with regard to um, what I wish I would have known sooner. But earlier this morning, I posted a picture and actually I was debating on if I should post it or not, because I was like, mm, are people going to judge me? But then I thought about the fact that, you know, when we look at celebrities, when we look at other people, there's things that we deem acceptable depending on who it is. And so I will say that I ended up just feeling in my spirit that maybe it would set someone free. So I'm going to add it real quick, just so you can see what I'm talking about. So this morning when I posted this picture, so on the left, you will see a picture from 2006. This is from a model audition um, for a popular uh, model competition. So if you know, you know, A-N-T-M. I auditioned for the competition and I felt like that was the aesthetic that I needed to present to be considered. But then in 2023, so last year when I said I was going to live unapologetically, I took the photos on the right at the beginning of the year. And in that photo, I felt like I was the most confident. So I ended up asking like, which picture do you feel like I'm most confident? But I will say that for me, I felt like I was most confident in the picture on the right. So when I think about life, and ironically, over the weekend, I took a class uh, for my pharmacy technician license, and then I also did some research. And according to the National Bureau of Economic Research, close to 80% of women struggle with low self-esteem. And I know I did. So I can only speak from personal experience. But I think when we think about life, when we think about situations, and living unapologetically, sometimes we feel the need to do different things. And 
we feel the need to try to fit in because of what society says we should be, how we should look, how we should act. Hence the reason I said I struggled this morning in deciding whether or not to even post the picture. But I said, you know what? I'm covered. And at the time, I was just trying to fit a mold. And so when we think about societal norms, media, upbringing, psychology, even biology and how we're made and or wired, if you turn on the TV screen or scroll through your news feed on social media, you're looking at everyone's perfectly curated pages, leading you to sometimes be more self-critical and or comparing. So when we think about even celebrities, sometimes the aesthetic is typically, uh, depending on whom it is, overly sexual. So when you research the origin of the word, and which is kind of what made me a little bit hesitant at first, but I'm grateful and I'll tell you why I'm grateful for grace. But when you research the origin of the word sex, when you look at sex on an application, it means gender. Um, That's what it has meant for decades. And when you look up the etymology of the word, the Latin roots, it really focused on the state of being male or female. It wasn't until the 19, uh, the 20th century, excuse me, the 1900s, where the dash Y was added onto that. So when you think about sex being characterized as a man or a woman, and you add a dash Y, meaning characterized by, it really simply refers to being characterized as a man or a woman. But when you research it further, you'll see that throughout the years, it has been used to signify everything from gender, sometimes explicitly, as well as in marketing to signify something that's exciting and or appealing. So when we think about self-esteem, we think about society, we think about grace and the gift that of salvation, many people, myself included, have placed a higher value on our outward appearance, ignoring the fact that God created us all unique and beautiful in our own way. and. It doesn't matter what society has to say. And so the reason I call this 2024, there is more, that we will need more space for all this grace is because I started listening to Romans, the entire book. I listened to it twice uh, before recording this episode. And I think that it's pertinent that we start there as it relates to grace and salvation and the gifts. So If you know, you know, I wrote a book titled Salvation is the New Sexy. And when we think about Romans, the book of Romans, it's all about sin. And so I titled the book Sin, Salvation is the New Sexy. And when I think about God's grace, I remember even when I wrote the book, I was like, okay, should I do it? Should I not do it? But I got the vision well over a decade ago. So 2012. And It took me a long time to actually go through with writing the book, but I'm glad I finally did because I feel like when we think about personal growth and I think about the year 2024, last year I said I wanted to live free, happy, and unapologetically. And in 2024, I want God to show me more, show me more about myself, show me more about situations and give us more discernment. And when you think about what's happening in the world today, we need all that. So we need discernment. We need God's grace. We need God's mercy. And so when I get into Romans, you will see exactly why. But I wrote this book for the purpose of really encouraging and inspiring people to recognize that true beauty radiates from within. And so it is the real work. So when we think about social media, when we think about celebrities, we think about 
beauty standards. There's a lot of people who may feel like they need to have work done to feel better about themselves, but the real work is internal, which leads me to why I said we all need grace. And so going back to the book of Romans, the entire book. So I actually have a uh, Bible here that I absolutely love because I feel like it's more of like a study Bible, but I feel like it also gives you good life application. And in fact, it's called the Life Application Study Bible. So for anyone watching on YouTube, um, I just shared uh, what the Bible looks like. But essentially in this Bible, in Romans, there's an introduction. And in that introduction, it says that the purpose of the book was for Paul to give a message before he arrived in Rome. And essentially in this particular book, It talks about what to believe as it relates to the sinfulness of humanity, forgiveness of sin through Christ, freedom from sin's grasp, Israel's past, present, and future, which I will say that section of Romans is deep, how to behave, our personal responsibility, and just some general personal notes. And so I thought about that as it relates to life, grace, judgment. And I thought to myself tonight that people blame religion for their decisions. (laughs) So the enemy may plant the seed, but it's up to us to carry out the deed. And so repeat after me, you can't judge me. God has set me free. And that is for you too. So God has set you free. God has set me free. And this grace will abound and it will be more than you could ever imagine. Because the thing is, we are not saved by our works. Although we might think that we are, and we think we can do more, we think we can we can get God to, to change and or save us in a different way because of what we do on the earth. That's not how it works because it's God's grace. Hence the reason we will need more space for God's grace because everyone sins. So when we look up the definition of the word sin, it is when we fail to do what we know God has called us to. So we fail to obey our, the Holy Spirit, our guide lets us know when something's a little bit off. And back in my day, when I showed you all the, the clip earlier or the picture earlier, it was of me trying again to fit into that mold for a fashion show. But the whole reason I even started modeling was to increase my self-esteem. It was to help me feel better in the midst of life situations and sometimes beating myself down because I felt like I should be a certain way, look a certain way, act a certain way. But I always felt conviction. And so Now, as I think about that and I think about my life and I think about living unapologetically, now I feel like the only person I need to answer to is God. And that is the same for you as well. And we oftentimes try to play up to people and we try to figure out how can I look right in the sight of men and or women and AKA just in the sight of people, period. and. Romans 2 reminds us about that. Romans 1 talks about the fact that we're all sinners, and that is true. We are saved by grace, aka salvation is how we get our freedom. But literally, the first verse in Romans 2, 1, it says, you therefore have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same 
things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, aka that grace, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So living unapologetically for me was not about me just doing what I want to do and being who I want to be. It was really about how do I get closer to God? How do I grow as a person? How do I live and accept the fact that in Psalms, it said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? It didn't necessarily describe how we look in the sense of how the word sex has transitioned over years to really focusing on attractiveness, but it literally made me think about life. And it made me think about the fact that God has given us all this grace to lead us to repentance. So I'm going to keep going in verse five, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good first for the Jew and then the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. And then it starts to talk about the fact of the law. And all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. And so when you scroll down a little bit, it talks about Jews and the law. And it says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. It made me think back to a, I like to rhyme from time to time. And so I had made mention of the fact that you can't judge God off the actions of man. We all have free will. Don't you understand? And that goes back to what I said earlier. People blame religion for their decisions. So the enemy plants those seeds and it's up to us to make a decision if we are going to carry out the deed. So going back to chapter two of Romans, verse 25, circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. So then if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who even though you have the written code and circumcision are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. 
No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. And so the reason I started with the picture today, and I just had a full circle moment in my head because I'm like, I didn't even realize how that would connect, but I prayed before coming on here tonight. And I was like, Lord, you know, give me the words to speak. Because when I think about confidence, confidence restored is really about faith. It's about restoring faith in who God says we are and what God says we become. Because in Romans chapter one, it talks about the fact that God is angry at the fact that we sin. However, he has sent his son so that we can repent and that we can eventually be reunited with God. So sin separated us, but God gave us a way of escape. And so when I think back to even how I thought about confidence, I always thought it was about looks and you know, what I felt like as a person, if I was going to be able to attract the person that I may have been interested in. And the whole time God was prepping and pruning me through modeling and other things to realize that it's so much deeper than that. Everything is deeper than what it seems. And so the word grace is God's unmerited favor. And so even when I think about when I wrote the book, Sins, Salvation is the New Sexy, there's a part in there where I talk about the character being grateful for the fact that she did not die in her sin. But sometimes I think we think we have all this time. The fact that we made it to 2024 is a testament to God's grace and mercy, his unmerited favor and mercy to allow us to see another day. It is Interesting because when Paul visited Rome in chapter one, in verse eight, it says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world, AKA your confidence, your trust, your belief. God, whom I serve in my spirit and preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. And essentially, he's talking about the fact that he's coming to Rome. And Paul noted in verse 14 that I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. So he literally was preaching not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And in verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so in verse 18, it starts to talk about God's wrath against sinful humanity and the fact that all of us have sinned. And it started at the beginning of time. And so the fact that sin entered the world because of uh, one man, sin also was forgiven because of another, Jesus Christ. And so when I think about that, and I think about God's grace and God's mercy, 
in Romans 5, it really does focus on that aspect of grace and mercy because in Romans 5 verse 15, it says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. Come on. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God in the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And then it goes on to say even more about the free gift of grace. And when I tell you, reading all of Romans and like, actually I listened to it and it talked about in chapter three, that no one is righteous, that we are righteous through faith, AKA our confidence, our belief, our trust that Jesus is, that Jesus lived, that Jesus died and that he rose again for our sin. And chapter four, it talks about the fact that Abraham was justified by faith. He was made righteous by faith, by belief, by confidence, by trusting in God. And in chapter five, it talks about peace and hope, death through Adam, life through Christ. So it's the unmerited favor that we have peace. So starting in verse one, it says, therefore, since we have been justified, AKA made righteous through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And when I tell you, God is so good and he's so intentional because as I'm sitting here, I look at the cover of my book, everything is intentional. So sins, we are saved by the gift of grace. So if you look at the cover of the book, this young lady is, she has the appearance of being free. And you notice that over the eye, you and I, there's a heart ablaze, a heart on fire. God's love has been poured out into what? Our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us as a guide to guide us to give us freedom from sin. So you notice I didn't put the whole book. I put periods in between because of the fact that Jesus died for our sins. And so I I literally, as I'm sitting here reading this, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Because I remember the night that I was debating on if I was going to finish this book. It was like three in the morning when I went to sleep. And I remember saying, you know what, God, because I was struggling like, okay, is this from you or is this just something I want to do? And when I say we will need more space for God's grace, because when we ask God for something, even the Bible tells us that if we ask, we shall receive. But some of us are afraid to ask. We're like, you know what? I'm not going to ask God about that. God cares about everything, even the small things. And I've seen him show up time and time again. And even for my family right now, we're going through yet another trial. And if you were around last year and you listened to any of the podcast episodes, you know that we went through a lot, a, a period of grief where we lost many family members and it was tough. So when it says not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. I have been glorying in my suffering because of grace, not because of me, because of grace, because that perseverance is what has produced the character that I now have and the hope that I will be forgiven and that I can help other people 
understand the gift of grace because I can't save anyone. Only God can do that through us believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And because I've seen God come through, there is no limit to what God can do. And when I say, when you read all of Romans, it will bless your spirit. I encourage you to do it or either let it play. But in verse six in Romans five, it says, it says, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, the ungodly, AKA me. Um, and I'm sure you may agree too. The Bible said that we are, we were all born sinners, but it's the gift of grace. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but also boasting God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation, faith restored, confidence restored. And so in starting in verse it talks about, again, the death through Adam, life through Christ. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, in 2024, I do truly believe that God wants to show us more, show us more about who God is and show us more about ourselves so that we can truly live our life free, free from shame. I think about the fact that, especially as believers, sometimes it's easy to look at what other people do and forget the fact that we're sinners too. And so 
in chapter six, it talks about how we are dead to sin, how we are alive in Christ and we're slaves to righteousness. In chapter seven of Romans, it talks about how we are released from the law, bound to Christ. And it talks about the law and sin. In chapter eight, it's life through the spirit, present suffering and future glory. And it talks about the fact that we are more than conquerors. And so again, you see where that grace continues to abound because it's a free gift. It's not something that we did to deserve. But starting in chapter eight, verse one, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We don't have to play the blame game because God made us free from shame because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you what? Free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So when we think about our flesh, and earlier I talked about people blaming religion for their decisions. And verse five, it says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, aka their decisions. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So at the beginning, I talked about the pictures. And like I was always covered, uh, but I still had an internal desire that God knew about that I wanted to to a degree, be like everyone else in the things that I see. I wanted to fit in. And at the time, of course, I was single. So I was trying to, you know, find a boo or, or what have you. And, um, <laughs> you know, so we we may have those desires. And like I started a little bit earlier in Romans 2, it talks about the person who teaches and preaches, but are you doing the same stuff that everyone else does? Because mm. look here, I know the news has been um, really uh, busy today. There's been a lot of stuff happening around the world that reminds us to watch and pray. I also encourage you to read Luke 21. You know, the, the earthquakes, the uh, the unveiling in the church, like there's talk about a pastor down in Atlanta who was playing a secular song uh, from the pulpit and they were having a good old time. But I can't say that that's not a song I haven't heard that I haven't jammed to um, even more recently where I'm like, you know what? And we oftentimes as Christians will say, oh, there's a time and a place. But here's the thing. God can see us. We can't hide our face. So we can hide our face from people, but we can't hide ourselves from God. And so today when I was listening to Romans, I was like, whoo come through with the come through. This word is so powerful. and. I think a lot of times we'll know what the truth is. So we may see things, we may try to justify it, however we try to justify it, but the truth is God sees everything. And even for me, I have found myself having to acknowledge the fact that sometimes I think that I can be saved by works and it just doesn't work that way. We are saved by grace and grace alone, which is the unmerited favor, the unmerited, unmerited, because we're sinners, favor of God. Because listen, sis uh, can be a hot mess at times. <laughs> and I think sometimes, especially as people, we try to quantify sin and we try to figure out like, okay, you know, this sin is, a, is better than that sin or what have you. And God is like, it doesn't work that way. 
you are saved by grace and grace alone because I know y'all are a hot mess. I'm trying to help you out. But we're over here thinking that we can save ourselves because if we work a little bit harder, if we sing a little bit harder, if we do a little bit more, if we volunteer or whatever it is, that that's going to change the outcome. But at the very beginning, I don't know if you recall, but I was talking about how we will be judged because the same way we judge others, we will be judged. So I was like, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for the revelation, because it's easy to say, you know what? I probably wouldn't swag and surf in church, but that doesn't mean that I can necessarily cast judgment. All I can say is the Bible says judge righteously. And from a righteous standpoint, the lyrics don't align with the word. So I'll just leave it at that. You can take that for what you want or what you will, but the Holy Spirit will minister to us in spirit and in truth. And again, I go back to Luke 21. I encourage you to read that too. Any of the scriptures I'm reading, please read it for yourself because I am not God. I'm not trying to be God. I am just a woman who wants to share my testimony um, to bring God glory. Because I don't know if you remember, if you remember earlier on in the scripture in chapter one, it talks about the fact that other people may know God because of what they saw. So the the individuals who go out and who speak about God, and Paul said he is not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. And so he was not ashamed to go out and talk about who God was and what God could do. And even before that, there was a a scripture that I read in, in chapter one, And it said, I'm trying to find it. Um, I am looking for it, but right now I cannot remember, but I will find it and I will make sure to highlight that because I think it is important that we remember that while we are not God, we are not trying to take the place of God. We have been called to seek and save those who are lost and share our testimony. And even in Revelation 12, it says we overcome the enemy by the power of our testimony. But what the enemy would want us to do is to shut up. And like I said at the beginning, I am a well, okay? I have a whole lot to tell. And and it's my own personal experiences. I'm just going to put it out there and tell the truth because guess what? Like in Romans, I don't have to live ashamed because God knows my name and we are saved through grace and grace alone, (laughs) grace and mercy. And so when we think about the fact that we are representative, it makes a difference. It really makes a difference. And actually I found the scripture. It's in chapter one, verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. And I will tell you, I I feel in my spirit that this is not the time to be afraid. I remember last year, I want to say it was around April, I was shopping and what I felt in my spirit was don't be scared, prepare. And I was like, okay, that's awkward, but okay. And so I shared it with a few people and I was like, okay, I don't, this is kind of random. Uh, that um, this is what I'm feeling, but I was like, okay, let me be obedient and sharing it. And I think I may have shared it even on this podcast and on social media, but it was like, okay, it is not the time for you to be afraid. 
because I am still in control. And so I said, okay, which brings me to Romans 9. And when I read Romans 9, listen here, I was like, this chapter is not for the faint at heart. Um, But Paul has anguish over Israel. And it starts in verse one, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. And we all have a conscience. We get to choose what we get to do with that. Because look here, that we they have the picture of the devil on one side and the angel on the other. Literally, sometimes that's the battle that we face, but we have a decision to make. And so in verse two, it says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. There is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah who is God over all forever praised. In verse six, it is not as though God's word has failed for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had anything had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob loved, but Esau, I hate it. What then shall I say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. AKA that grace. (laughs) It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy on and he hardens who he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath, make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, as he says in Hosea. Side note, that's another good book. You should read the whole thing. It is great. It's about reconciliation and restoration. That'll be another topic for another day because I have a whole lot to tell on that one too. But it says, I will call them my people who are not my people. And I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, There they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant 
aka what's left, will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty had left us descendants, he would have become like Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. What then shall we say that the Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal? Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So Jesus was the cornerstone, the one that the people rejected. And so it talks about the fact that even in that, there was the law, but the same way that God um, is able to save the Gentiles, he will also save Israel. So I, I found it really interesting as I started reading. I was like, wow, this is so much deeper than you know what I even thought in or imagined as I was going through it. And I was like, man, like I, I think sometimes we... I don't know. Like I, when I think about the Bible and I think about the stories, it's really beneficial for us to learn it for ourselves because for a long time, most of my life, I will say over 30 years, I used to listen to what other people said. But now that I'm reading the Bible for myself, a whole lot of things are becoming clearer. So in chapter 10, it talks about uh, Paul's heart and desire and prayer to God for the people of Israel. In chapter 11, it talks about the remnant. Chapter 12, a living sacrifice, um, how we can humbly serve in the body of Christ and the fact that we're all different. Chapter 13 is submission to governing authorities. Chapter 14, the weak and the strong. Chapter 15, Paul, the minister to the Gentiles and then his personal greetings. But when we think about the remnant of Israel in verse one, it says, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the need of Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. <laughs> that word grace is all up in the place. Um, it's all throughout Romans. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on what works. If it were grace, if it were based on works, grace would no longer be grace. Unmerited favor. 2024, there's more unmerited favor. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain? The elect among them did, but the others were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. 
But this is where I think it's important, the engrafted branches. And it talks about the fact that they didn't fall beyond recovery. Because of transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I am talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry and the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off and you though a wild olive shoot had been grafted in among the others and now sharing the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, aka the grace, provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And if you do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? And in verse 25 through 32, it talks about the fact that all Israel will be saved. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. So there's a difference, confidence versus conceit. Israel has experienced the hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy on you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. So the fall of man with Adam, but it literally says that we were essentially in sin so that God could save us again. And so in chapter 12, again, it goes back to a living sacrifice and us, how we show up as people and that we should love other people. And in chapter 12, Verse 21, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So no matter what other people do to us, no matter what things look like, we can still overcome evil with good, but it, it's a, a choice. 
everything is a choice. And that's one thing that I think I'm realizing, like, even for me, that's why I don't have shame because I know that I'm saved in Jesus name. It's not by me, it's, it's by grace. And so when we think about the time and we think about the time that we have is grace. It is literally grace. And so because we don't know the day nor the hour, we have to be ready. So in chapter 13 of Romans, starting in verse 11, it says, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So, You may recall at the beginning, I said people blame religion for their decision. The enemy may plant the seed, but it's up to us to do the deed. And at the end of the day, (laughs) you can repeat after me. You can't judge me. God has set me free. And that applies to you too. God has set us free, but there is something we have to do. We can't just say, oh, you know what? God set me free. I can live carelessly because that's not how it works either. But I think sometimes that's what it feels like. And similar to the example of the church, yes, the church in Atlanta is on Front Street right now because it's in the the mainstream media. But much like it said in the beginning of Romans, the fact that other people may not see doesn't mean that God does it. (laughs) So in Romans 14, it says in verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So I think we can look at things and we may focus on what we wouldn't do. But in verse 13, which this was a powerful revelation for me, it says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Mm, Come on. Do not in your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken evil of. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better to not eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubt is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So 
everything that does not come from faith, belief, um, that God says who he is and what he can do. And I think it's easy in today's day and age to get caught up in society and to try to focus on what we can do. But literally, we are here to build others up. And it says that in Romans 15, each of us should please our neighbor for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it continues on talking about rejoicing and the fact that God, may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow. We we need more space for all this grace with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we know better, we do better. But on top of that, I think we have to make a decision and we have to be willing to open the door to receive God's grace because the grace is here. He, the, the, God has given us the grace. It is up to us what we will do with it. And a lot of times we just don't want to necessarily open the door or think about the fact that we cannot be saved by our works. And that was something that was hard for me to learn. That is God's unmerited favor that saves us. And so it really is, how do I focus on just being who God called me to be and living unapologetically? And it doesn't mean that I'm giving myself a license to sin. It just means that I now know, going back to the very beginning of this episode, I now know who I am in Christ. So I can say confidently that I can live my life unapologetically and unashamed because in Christ, there is no blame. And so I feel like that's a full circle moment because God wants to give us more, but we need more space for that grace. We need more space because we try to live by the law. And when we try to live by the law, that's why we feel condemned. That's why we feel how we feel. That's why we feel like, I can never do enough. I can never be enough. But God never called us to do all that. That was a personal decision. Literally, what we have to do is trust in our heart and believe, confess and believe that Jesus is Lord. And so the prayer of salvation, even in the word, when you think about the prayer, when it tells us how we should pray, it's relatively simple. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And you may also see some individuals do an altar call at the end of their services where they really just Have you talked to God? And this is personal between you and God. You just ask Jesus, if you are not saved, to come into your heart, repent of your sins and make God Lord over your life. Because again, 
we are saved by grace. And that is what allows us to have access to heaven. So I thank you all um, for tuning in. For anyone that will listen to this episode again, I just hope and pray that you all will be blessed because um, as we see in the world today, there's a lot happening. So we need to watch and pray that God would give us grace for the day. So on that note, keep on keeping on and be blessed. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in to another live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast by CC America. We are grateful that you tune in week after week and join us for testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. Please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe and let others know that you are listening to the Confidence Restored podcast. You can also now buy us a coffee to show appreciation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash CC America. Until next time, be blessed.